All right, Westside, John chapter 3. We are going to be reading verses 1 through 21, like it says there up on the screen. I'll give you a minute to turn to that. If you don't have your Bible with you, there should be a paperback Bible right there in front of you. Open that up, and if you don't own one, that's our gift to you this morning. Take that with you and fall in love with Christ and those scriptures, man. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, I will say this is the word of the Lord, because it is, and you can respond with thanks be to God. Have your eyes on scripture and follow along with us. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. In verse 21, But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, Westside. We're glad that you're here as we are ending um, our six-week series entitled Break It Down. And so we get um, a lot of questions as we walk through a series and stuff. What's next? What's next? And so um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be starting sort of our vision series. And we take time at the beginning of each year to sort of explain who we are and what our mission is and what our core values are. And we're doing that through a series called One and Many. And so we're going to be taking a look at the body of Christ as a whole and how there is one body but, but many members and there are specific roles that are taking place in there. And so we always lay this before you because it's a great time for you to invite people who've never been before at the beginning of a series and especially for someone who's never attended Westside to sort of let them know about who we are and what we're involved in, which is exciting. And really quick before we get started, i got to give a shout out. We had the uh, Royal Pajama Party here yesterday with a group of young ladies and women who 
who are learning as what it is to be a biblical woman and walk in womanhood. And there were 40 plus young women and older women here yesterday studying God's word as what it is to be a biblical woman. So can we thank the Lord for those workers, volunteers, and everything that went across with that? Just a great time, man. There's a lot of exciting things that are taking place. And so we've entitled this series, Break It Down. And the reason why we've done that is because we've used this acronym from Dare to Share Ministries. You've got it there in your handout as well to explain the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have said the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. So we've spent six weeks breaking this down. And we've used this acronym, G-O-S-P-E-L, God Our Sins Paying Everyone Life. And it's been twofold for you to better know and grow in this good news of Jesus Christ and love Jesus more, but at the same time for you to be equipped to explain that um, if somebody were to ask you about that. And this is how we've defined the gospel, and we've said this out loud every week. Throw this up. And so you're in the sermon now. We're going to say this out loud together. Ready? Next slide. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? All right. The gospel is the good news of God loving and saving lost mankind through the ministry in word and deed of his son, Jesus Christ. That's how we have broken down the gospel, the good news to proclaim to people. And this week, big idea right up front. Today's a little bit more stripped down. We're switching up the service because we're leading to something today. But we end today with everyone, this idea that the good news is for everyone. So the jelly on the bottom shelf, the argument today is this. The whole gospel is for the whole world. The whole gospel is for the whole world. Now that is something that I think that we hardly anyone would disagree with. We agree with that in theory. That sounds great, awesome bumper sticker. But I think when we break down the implications of something like that and see how broad it is, which is what our text will show us today, um, it's a little bit, um, little bit more controversial than what you think. And actually, even from the very beginning of the Bible, this has been proclaimed. God has said, through a certain person, I'm going to bless all nations. I mean, it, like, let's even go back to Genesis God speaks to Abraham, the patriarch of the faith, and he says these words, And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So from Genesis, from right out of the gate, God has said, Through you, all nations. This is broad implications here. And then from the first book to the last book of the Bible in Revelation, the Apostle John gets a vision of what is to come. And he sees what the final days are going to be like when the new heavens and the new earth has come. And this is what he sees in Revelation 7. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands." So from Genesis, all nations, to Revelation at the end, all nations, languages, everyone. And then in between, God is constantly saying this message is for everybody. So you ask, what's what's the problem, right? Where's the tension in this? Well, I would argue that the tension in this is the same reason why the Beatles broke up. I'm not talking about Yoko either, right? Okay. Um, So the Beatles' last album, Let It Be, George Harrison wrote a song. 
And he wrote a song about what was taking place within the unity of the band itself. Do you know the name of the song? It's entitled, I, Me, Mine. Here are the lyrics. All through the day, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. All through the night, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. Now they're frightened of leaving it and everyone's weaving it, coming more strong all the time. All through the day, I mean mine, I mean mine, I mean mine. You see, he wrote about the egos and the pride that was taking place within the group. And so therefore they broke up because everyone was singing one song, even though they were singing Let It Be and Yesterday, they were singing me, me, me. Now we understand that the whole gospel is for the whole world until those demands are actually placed upon our life, because I know what you've been thinking about since you walked in. You. Where am I going to sit? Am I going to get coffee? Somebody took my parking spot. They're sitting there. Do they not know I sit there every single Sunday, right? (laughs) Goodness gracious, we took communion before the sermon? What are they doing today, right? I mean mine, I mean mine, I mean mine. And there's two ways you can actually look at this, and I don't know if we'd ever say this out loud, but it's definitely what you're thinking. When it comes to God's love and this good news of a message, one statement says it this way, how could God love them, those people, categorical language, or it actually hides itself in a more self-pity sort of way. And you may say the statement, I mean, I know God loves them, but not me. You see, what each of those statements have in common is, I mean mine, I mean mine, I mean mine. Which leads us to our passage today. One of the most famous passages in all of the Bible. And in it has probably the most famous verse that was, lo- that was around long before Tim Tebow ever painted it on his face. Or Forever 21 put it on the bottom of their shopping sacks. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the context of this conversation, though, Jesus is talking to a guy named Nicodemus, a religious ruler. And Nicodemus knows, in theory, the whole gospels for the whole world, but he's having trouble understanding it when he's talking to Jesus. And so the implications of what we'll see in the text to Google Maps where we're going is this. Everyone needs the gospel. Anyone can receive the gospel, but only some will actually believe the gospel. And so the first thing that we see is this, everyone needs the gospel. Now the reason why this is so controversial is because John tells us in the very first verse of John chapter 3, he sets us up. Look at the description that he gives Nicodemus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, check, named Nicodemus, check, ruler of the Jews, check, and this man came to Jesus by night, check. There's a lot packed in those two verses. Basically, what John is telling us is Nicodemus is a Pharisee. So the Pharisees had the first five books of the Bible memorized, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, by memory in order to be a Pharisee. But he's not just a Pharisee. He's also a ruler of the Jews. So these people are under Roman oppression, and and, and they live differently in the Roman government. So Roman officials 
would need to conversate with a ruler of those ethnic type of people in order to you know, figure out disputes and law and everything like that. So guess who they talked to? Nicodemus. So now Nicodemus you know, won the Awano Award. He had more you know, things on his sash than you had, right? Outstanding citizen, served on city council, did all of those things. And he is a teacher, which means he's teaching in the synagogue. So listen, if, if, if Nicodemus were in Popper Bluff and, and you asked anyone who for sure is going to heaven in Popper Bluff, everybody in the town would say, Nicodemus, no doubt. That dude is saved, bro, right? I mean, that dude is in for sure. And Jesus tells him in verse 3, I mean, just drop the mic moment. I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like Jesus knows all the titles. He knows everything about Nicodemus. And he goes for the jugular for that guy. And he says, you don't get it. You don't get it. One commentator put it this way. As a devout Orthodox Jew, here it is, he presumed that his place in the coming kingdom was assured by virtue of his race and his circumcision. Besides that, he was a leading religious professional and moreover a Pharisee and a member of the ruling council. There could be few Jews, if any, in the entire city that night whose credentials were more impressive as far as acceptance with God was concerned. Yet, Jesus tells him he must be born again. That would have been highly offensive to Nicodemus. Now, why do I draw on those implications? Because we're in Popper Bluff, Missouri. We're in the top of the buckle of the Bible belt where the diamond shines the brightest. And I talk to church planters all the time, guys who plant in the inner city Chicago and inner cities, and we always have conversations as to who is the hardest to reach for Christ. And these guys are baptizing gang members. I mean, guys coming to church with guns, which is not any different than Butler County, really, when you think about it. <laughs> All types of stuff. And we argue about, oh, no, man, this is tougher. This is tougher. Did you know I counted this week? And correct me if I'm wrong. I did a little bit of research. But in the city limits of Popper Bluff, the city limits, which we would all agree are pretty small, actually, compared to Butler County, there are 76 churches that are registered within the city limits of Butler County. 76 I think 40 of them are Baptist or something like that, you know? 76. Why, why is that? Why, why do I make an implication on that? Maybe this will help. Have, raise your hand. Have you ever gone to Current River, gone to any river? Just raise your hand, right? Cool. So my kids love going to the river. We love hanging out and having a good time. And one of the things that we do, we throw rocks, right? Because you have an endless supply of rocks, and you just throw them and skip them and do all that type of stuff. Have you ever taken a rock out of Current River that's probably been there for hundreds and hundreds of years and cracked it open? Dry as a bone inside. And my fear is that's a lot of us. My parents have grown up. My grandparents have been here. I was there. I was dedicated. I've been around. There's 76 churches. I know this. I do this. I go here. So listen, the question that Jesus is proposing to Nicodemus is this. The question is not, is the gospel around you? The question is, is the gospel in you? And by far, 
by far the hardest people to reach for Christ are people who think that they're already saved. People who've assumed the gospel. By far the people who enter into this church who cause the most problems and have the most baggage are people who've grown up in church. Why? Because we presume that we know when in reality we don't really know we've just been around it. That's why we always draw implications and ask this question. Being a Christian is not about a decision that you've made, but rather a delight. It's a delight. That's why I ask all the time, do you love Christ? Do you love Jesus? Then when you open your Bible and you read that word that he speaks to you, that he talks to you, It's not this idea, am I around Jesus? Proximity to Jesus is not the same thing as intimacy with Jesus. Judas went to the greatest theological school for three years and saw things that people will never see and slept next to Jesus and saw dead people raised and he is in hell. That terrifies me. So the whole gospel is for the whole world, but we have to come with this understanding. Everyone needs the gospel. I don't give a rip what your last name is. I don't care where you've grown up. I don't care who your mama or who your daddy is. You must be born again. You must be born again. And it's only through this news, so please, I fear and I beg and I lose sleep at night over this. Do not assume anything, because the moment you assume it is the moment that you've gone astray from it. That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. Everyone needs the gospel, even Nicodemus. Everyone needs it. But here's what's even more radical. Anyone can receive it. (laughs) Now, this this is where it gets controversial. So, If we drop down and look at the end of verse 15 and then going into the famous verse 16, look at the end of verse 15. Whoever believes. You always thought a cool name for a Christian band would be is the whosoevers. That's a cool name, isn't it? Make me a shirt. I'll wear it. The whosoevers, right? Now, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes... Isn't it crazy? I looked up this week and I did a lot of original languages work and I looked up the word whoever and actually in the original Greek language it means whoever. It's about the tense of the verb, you know. And here's what's even more radical. Verse 16 says, For God the Father so loved the world. Now, in the language that the Bible was written in, This is the, I learned this this week, this is the only time in the entire Bible that it proclaims that God the Father loves the world. The reason why that's significant is because the word world is the bad word for world. It's the word cosmos, where we get cosmos. So literally, what the writer is saying here is that God so loved the fallen, broken badness of the world. This is the same word that's used in 1 John, where John tells believers to not love the world, the ways of the world, 
how it works, its mechanisms, its greediness, and all of that. And for Nicodemus to hear that now the message of the kingdom of God is not just for a socioeconomic background or for an ethnic type or for a type of only men or anything like that would have been... Literally, he would have gasped. That's why he cannot comprehend what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying over and over again, you must be born again. This is for everyone, whosoever. Now, again, we love that until we actually put boots on the ground. You see, everybody loves living like Jesus until you actually start living like Jesus. Do you know who had the harshest words about Jesus' ministry? Were the Pharisees. I mean mine, I mean mine, I mean mine. And actually in Mark's gospel, when Jesus is sitting down and eating, it says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, a tax collector, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now here it is, when the teachers of the law, think Paul Blart, mall cop, think Screech on Saved by the Bell as a hall monitor, okay, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, notice, Oftentimes, religious people will never actually come to you with their problem. They'll go to somebody else about the problem with you, but that's free. That wasn't even in my notes. But here we go. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You notice how many times the word tax collectors and sinners is used? So so they're, they're trying to tell you something. You see, the Pharisees put people in categories and in boxes. And I think you would be very surprised how often that language comes out of our mouth. Um, A couple of years ago when we moved into our house and where we live, we had some mischievous neighbors, um, if you will. And so we tried to love on them and buy them groceries and things like that. And they returned the favor by breaking into our car and rummaging in through things and stuff like that. They didn't leave me a thank you note or anything, but yeah. And some things happened. We had to call the law and some stuff like that. And one day we were playing out in the yard. And Andy Grace said, Daddy, do those bad people still live there? Guess where she heard the words bad people from? Me. Guess what I just did in not even knowing discipling my daughter? That the world has categories of people. That there are bad people and that there are good people. The Bible knows no such categories. It knows in Christ and not in Christ. Have you ever done that? Have you ever those people, them, that side of town over there? You see, listen, this is what's so controversial God doesn't love a certain type of person. Do you know that? Whosoever, the world, the cosmos. As I thought this week, I thought I need to drive this home a little bit more. So I'm going to do a little test with you. I've got just some random pictures of some random people and we can ask the question if, if God loves these people. So, so, so here's one family. 
Does God love that family? Yeah. Here's another family. Does God love that family? Here's another family. God love that family? Here's a crowd of people. God love these people? How about this crowd of people? God love these people? How about this guy? God love this guy? How about this guy? Does God love this guy? You know what? That's not even the most radical aspect. It's this next one. You. Everyone needs the gospel. Anyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how many times you've been divorced, what addiction you've had. I don't care how perfect you are and how ivory and perfect the Leave It to Beaver family is that you came from. Oh, my God, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. And God doesn't love a certain type of person. And as one preacher said, he doesn't love some future version of you. He doesn't love you because one day you'll be perfect in heaven. He loves you now. So where's the tension? Where's the rub? Well, the rub is in the third part. And it's only some believe the gospel. You see, we take John 3.16 out of an entire conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And verse 17 should be just as famous. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through Him. Verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But here it is. But whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already. And then we say, but there shouldn't be judgment. But Jesus says in verse 19, there's already a judgment. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people have loved the darkness rather than they've loved the light. Now listen, this offer is free, but it does come at a price. Because we have to do what they teach you in Bible school is called hermeneutics. This is not the only offer that Jesus gives. That whosoever should come and believe in him. And the word believe is not an intellectual belief, but has an action behind it. It's the illustration of a chair standing here. That it's not this idea that I believe that the chair could support me, but I show my belief by stepping into the chair. But Jesus, it's the same side, it's a different side of the same coin. And Jesus has another call in Luke's gospel. And in Luke chapter 9, he says these words. And he said to them, if anyone, if who? How many people? A certain type of person? If anyone would come after me, here it is, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is not a cheap grace. And here's the tension in the gospel. This is why some will not receive it. Because Jesus demands from you the very same thing that he gives to you, which is everything. It is a complete and total surrender. Yes, all of the gospel, the whole gospel is 
for the whole entire world. So, Westside, how? Six weeks we've broken this down. We've explained every avenue of this. We've had an acronym for you. We've got all types of things. We've had everything. So now, what is the application? What do we do with this? The first question is this. Is there someone in your life that you need to share the good news of Jesus with? And the church said yes, right? But here's where I would challenge you. I'm not talking about a random bomb track on the Walmart cashier who's having a rough day and you're going, if you know if you died today, you'd be born again when you've been in turn. You know, I'm not talking about that. Again, that's a product of being around the gospel, but the gospel not being in you. How about your daddy? Would we be such cowards that we could share the gospel with a Walmart cashier but not talk to our own mother? How about your granddaddy, who's your superhero, who terrifies you with those big hands of his? You had a conversation with him? How about your best friend, your best best friend who knows the deepest, darkest secrets about you? Have you ever had a conversation with them? So the next application is this. Some of us need to make deposits, but most of of us need to make withdrawals. And here's what I mean by this. Relationships often work like bank accounts. So a deposit is loving someone is taking them out for dinner, um, just being a shoulder to cry on, not saying anything, invest, 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 invest. A withdrawal is when you need to cash in on that relationship and you need to look across from a cup of coffee and you need to say to them, hey, we've been friends for a long time and we've shared a lot of experience together and I've been there for you and you've been there for me and we know each other's baggage inside and out. But you know one place we've never gone in our life and I would be such a coward if I never did this? I've never asked you about Jesus before. I've never asked you, do you actually love Jesus? And how do you know that in your life? So, what you have inside of your bulletin today is a handout. That's just a guide for you. There's some, you know, we've gone through all of that type of stuff and everything. Wes, I look up here and listen to these words from Jesus' half-brother James. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forget what he is like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not just a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts... He will be blessed in his doing. So here it is. No prayer, no song. We ain't got to sit in a circle and sing kumbaya about nothing. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go. So Westside, I dismiss you today to not be only hearers of the word, but doers only. And maybe when you get in that parking lot, you open that phone and send a text and schedule a lunch this week. Or maybe you call someone on the phone and say, hey, I just got out of church. I need to talk to you. So Westside, you are dismissed.